0: Today, we're in Ephesians chapter 6, and you just sat down, so I'm going to ask you to stand back up. I'm only going to read four verses, so you'll only be up for a minute. But here's what the Bible says, and we're, we're, we're in a, a series on, in Ephesians called Prepare for Battle. We're in a section called Spirit-Filled Living, how does the spirit being Spirit-Filled affect us in these relationships, and today, this is about the family. It's about children and parents. And specifically fathers, actually. But look what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we love you. You are an awesome God. And because of Jesus, we call you Father and we thank you that as the spirit fills our church as the spirit fills each of us individually but collectively as a church children may respond to their parents rightly parents may respond to their children rightly and in all things lord it brings order and and praise and glory to the father so i pray today that you might open our eyes just to understand and see some wonderful things from your word and hearing you and seeing those things we'll be quick to obey lord We've already asked you to rebuke our enemy, but we once again stand against him in the name and the power of Jesus Christ, and we ask that you open up uh, glory for us today, not for our sake, but that we might spread the gospel to all and to the utmost uh, ends of the earth, to all who breathe and live, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Last Wednesday night, I asked Brother Daniel Salton if he would interview some of our Iwana kids and ask them the question, what does it mean to honor your parents? Are you all ready with that? Can you show that? Here we go. What does it mean to honor your parents? It means to obey and listen to your parents. It means you obey them and love them. To obey them and love them and um, just do that. It means to listen to them and obey. To listen and respect. Honoring your parents means that you obey them and praise them and show all your respect you can. To obey them with respect. What does it mean to honor your parents? Good. Does it mean anything else? Um. Okay. The last little girl said, good. Say anything else? Nope. (laughs) So that was what that was. I like the older kids. They were like, don't you know this? (laughs) You know, this is what it means. Aren't you supposed to be teaching me? Uh, I appreciated that. I thought we'd get um, some kind of funny, cute little answers. And what we got is some kids that really knew the answer. That was true. Uh, What they said was very, very true. And so that was a great joy to me. But I want to let that introduce that we want to talk about a spirit filled family. What does it look like when the family is spirit filled? And and here's what I want you to take home with you. We've already read the scripture, that a spirit-led family will change our nation to godliness. A spirit-led family will change our nation to godliness. So as we look at the scriptures, the first thing it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment, with a promise that may go well with you and that you may live long in the land the first word there is obedience obey to obey means to listen under in other words there's an authority over you and you're listening but it's more than just hearing it it's listening with the intention to obey all of us have an authority in our life that we have to listen to It be a boss a teacher a parent someone that is in uh, uh an authority over us uh, if you break the law the policeman pulls you he is an authority over you you better listen you better do what he says, right? At that point, he becomes, well, he's an authority anyway, unless, uh, unless you're not breaking the law. Then he doesn't have anything to do with you. But if you're breaking the law, he's got something to do. So that word comes from a Greek word, which means to listen, to hear under. It's like you're listening under something else. But so the implication is you're listening attentively. You're listening with the intention to obey, you know, some people hear without ever listening or listen without ever hearing. Either way, you won't say that. In other words, they hear the noise, they hear the sound, but it doesn't make any sense to them or they don't obey it. And so, uh, and, and you've seen that with your own children. You've done it in your own life. Husbands do it to their wives a lot. Um, where we hear it, but we don't do anything about it. Uh, it this, but this word means to hear under authority. And so children, by implica- implication, means that they are supposed to be listening to their parents because... Why? God put parents as an authority over their children. If, if, you don't lead, if you can't lead something in a high chair, you can't lead anything else. That, that's what the Bible says. You know, there's a, a reason God made you older and bigger than them. Do you know that? I, I, I'm afraid that's something we've lost in our society. We, we, we glorify our children instead of having our children listen to their parents I mean I've just seen too many fits in Walmart to believe otherwise. I've got a little death stare I'll do it to a kid and they'll quiet down the parent will look at them and they'll look back and I'll just look away <laughs> I know a guy his mom told him if he didn't pay attention Santa wouldn't come and the child said yes he will and this guy literally went, no, he won't. <laughs> <laughs> Scared the poor little child. Anyway, so, so children are called to obey. And, and you know what will make children obey better? If they see mom and dad obeying God. And, and Samuel, we, we learn about Samuel, that his mom prayed for him. You know the story. I don't want to get into that. But his mom prayed for him and she gave him back to God. And when God called him as a small child, probably only about five years of age, once Samuel understood, because he kept going to Eli, Eli said, you just, that's God talking to you. You just say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And when he did, God told him what he wanted him to hear. Right? Y'all remember that story? Raise your hand. Just get some blood flow. Okay, good. Yeah. Why was Samuel so ready to say yes to God? Because he saw his mom and dad say yes to God at a high price. And so I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but if you do that, it will tend, when God starts talking to your children, they'll see the example of their parents always being in obedience and they will obey. And then the second word there is honor. He says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment. This comes from a word, uh, same word as Timothy, we get that name from. It means to honor. Uh, or to prize, or to put a value on it. And so what he's telling children, uh, and, and by implication, means to revere them. It means that we honor our parents. We appreciate what they have done for us. We appreciate what they have given to us, and we honor them for that. And we find a way to honor them. Now, let, let me just make a quick point here, and that is nobody's perfect, Right? Your boss at work you've got to listen to is not perfect. No parent has ever been perfect. All parents, no matter how hard they try, are going to mess up their kids. And, and I, I've bragged on my kids, and, and I don't mean to. I, I just I, That's my illustrations because that's what I saw. Um, my children, <laughs> um, when I'm in college, uh, they, they had a preacher's kid speaking at their chapel service. And, and they called me or wrote me and said, that, that guy said to be a child of a Preacher means you're forever a sermon illustration. And uh, she, she was like, and I, I, I get that. And, and it's true. But let me, let me just tell you, my wife and I have done things. We have just looked at each other and said, that's going to cost them some couch time. You know, because we mess up. And so our prayer is that God will fix what we messed up. Because all of us as parents put holes in our children. And I hope you're hearing me. That means you got holes in you that mom and dad put there, not on purpose necessarily, some maybe, but not on purpose necessarily, that need filling, and if you operate out of the hole instead of out of the filling, you're going to mess up even worse. That's why we got to come to Christ to heal us, and then to fill up those holes, so as we parent, we parent in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the children's response is to obey, so remember the opening verse of all this said, submit to one another the children submit by listening and honoring uh, obeying and honoring their parents and the question is how long do children have to do that because I've heard uh, uh, people who are grown uh, say well my mom and dad don't want me to do that and I'm supposed to honor my parents it, notice honor means to revere does not mean to obey Because there comes a time in every person's life where they and they alone will answer to God for the decisions they made. And that's why I made a big deal out of that before. That I think a kid gets to a certain age, you go, that's bad, good luck. Because they got to answer to God. I don't have to answer to God for what job my children have. But I do have to answer to God whether they're asking him what job they should have. Or what mate, or what decision? So, so that's my. But what should you do as an adult? This is just some quick things. I think that if we have them on a slide. First of all, forgive them. If you're an adult and you got parents, forgive them, because they messed up. And if you're a parent, you already know you go mess up too. And if you're not a parent yet, but you hope to be one day, let me tell you: if you're ever a parent, you go mess up too. So forgive mom and dad, because if you don't forgive others, their sins against you. Y'all don't know the Lord's Prayer? Your father will not forgive you your sins. So the very first thing you got to do is just forgive your parents, because they messed up. They weren't perfect. My mom and dad were not perfect. I could sit here and give you a whole litany of why they're not perfect. But you know what? They honored God. They sincerely honored God. And I started doing this so young, people used to ask me, was your daddy a preacher? No, but I saw my dad honor God with every day of his life. I saw my mom honor God and try to follow him. Whether they messed up or not, they tried to follow him. So forgive your parents. Secondly, speak well of them. Don't complain about mom and dad. Don't blame mom and dad because you mess up. You make that decision. It comes a point where you make the decisions. I remember witnessing to a guy... Uh, and, and uh, his family was in church, his extended family was in church, and we all loved this guy, he was a nice guy, and we wanted to see him saved, and I went to his home, and my mouth gets my other parts of my body in trouble a lot, but I, I was witnessing to him, I said, well, why, won't, you know, why don't you want to come and honor Christ? And he said, my mama always made me go to church, and I decided when I got old enough, I, was gonna, I wasn't going to go. And I looked at him and said, aren't you a little bit old to still be rebelling against your parents? I thought he was going to kill me. I really did. He went angry because I had touched his rebellion. He was using his parents as an excuse for his rebellion against what he knew to be the call of God in his life. And if you're sitting there going, well, I would have done something. My parents hadn't done this. Or I'd be a better person. My parents." Well, if you can recognize it, change it. All right, And honor your mom and dad. Speak well of them. You say, you don't know my mom and dad. You're right, I don't. But they didn't abort you. They had you. And no matter what bad job they did, God used it in your life to bring you here. Don't forget that. And and so speak well of them. Esteem them publicly and privately. Uh, Tell them. uh, The greatest day in a parent's life is when your kid... When they get around 12, you lose them. And when they get around 21, 22, 25, you get them back. James Dobson said when they turn 14, 13 and 14, put them in an oak casket and, you know, hammer down the lid. And feed them through the knot hole. And when they get 16, plug the hole. <laughs> But, oh, my goodness, when when our oldest, especially, <laughs> called back and said, uh, thanks, Mom, for everything you did, we were like, okay, good, she got it, finally. And 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 it just happened. So, esteem your parents publicly, talk well of them, and privately. Let them know you appreciate what they did. Seek their wisdom. Doesn't mean you got to do what they say, but here's a hint. Just like I said, as an adult, I'm bigger and smarter than that baby, So my parents are still bigger and smarter than me. They've been further down the road. So at least get their advice. It might might not be the right advice. It might not be necessarily what you ought to do. But at least listen. Because I guarantee you no matter who it is trying to tell you something. There's something there God wants you to hear. And so get that out of it. You don't have to listen to everything or or receive everything. But you got to hear something. And then support them. And I don't mean financially. I mean help them. Support them. Give them that. They're, our, we're at that age. Our kids are moving away, going away. We got two going to to, um, to, to Israel. We got two that live down in South Carolina. Got one still close by for a while, but they're out. They're living their life now, and they're they're going away. And so it's really good when they get in touch with us and support us with that. Hey, mom, dad, love you. Just want to talk to you. That's a great thing. So do that for your parents. Then provide for them financially I, I threw you off there the first time because I did not want you to get confused the Bible says a man doesn't take care of his own household worse than an infidel and, and in the New Testament since there was no government system to help what the Pharisees would do their parents would be in need and they'd take money and say this is dedicated to God and, they, and, and Jesus said that's a sin to take money you ought to be using to provide for your family and saying it's God's money a lot of people sin behind religion y'all know that? But you can't sin behind a relationship with God when you're filled with the Spirit. So why all of that? Because it's the promise of God. It's a promise of God. The one principle in the Ten Commandments for family. Only one. Children, obey your parents. Honor your mother and father in the Lord for this is right. And that your days will be long on the earth. This is the only commandment with a promise attached. But it's the only commandment about family. There's, there's uh, four about our relationship to God. And there's six about our relationship God to each other, and one, only one, about family, several about neighbors and and people we hang around. But why is that? Because it's the only principle necessary for a right family and a right relationship and a right society. In other words, if we get this right, everything else will fix itself. Did you know there wouldn't be uh, the rampant social ills? I started to name them. But all the social ills you can name, including gangs and, and things, if dads would give a flip about their kids. And would raise them and honor God and and train them, which we're going to get into in just a second. So I don't want to go too far there. Um, Because this produces respect for authority in society. I will tell you one little story about our kids because it wasn't about kids. It's something I did. My son was so young, he probably doesn't even remember this. He's three or four years old. Had to go down to the city um, building to pay a bill or do something. And, and I, I'm down there, and there was a gaggle of policemen standing there. I don't know what they were doing, but they were there, and they were in uniform with the guns and everything. And, you know, I, I raise my kids with guns. They can all shoot and do that stuff. So that didn't freak them out. They're not snowflakes, by the way. And, uh, and, I, and I knelt down. I said, son, you see those men over there? I said, if you're ever in trouble, they're going to come help you. And so then I just stood up to walk away, and this cop broke out from the group, and he came over and said, man, thank you. I said, for what? He said, what you just said to your son. He said, you know, most people say they're going, we're going to come get him and not help him, and I appreciate it. I said, no, it's my job to get him. It's your job to help him. <laughs> and he smiled and said, thank you. You got it right. And he shook my hand, and I appreciated that. You, you have to instill respect, and you start at home. If your child can't respect you, he's not going to respect anybody. And so that one principle, if we get that right, would solve everything. Well, fathers are to train their children. And, and Proverbs, uh, Brother Bobby this morning in prayer time, and in fact, if you, if you want to get up even earlier, we start prayer at 7 o'clock. But he reminded me of this verse. It's Proverbs twenty nine fifteen, and here's what it says. A child left to himself brings shame on his mother. A child left to himself brings shame on his mother. He's talking about training our children. And you let a child train himself, he's going to shame you. So, he says here, don't provoke. That means to bring anger alongside. In other words, you frustrate your children by not training them. Training brings self-worth. We've been taught that if we tell kids they're great, they'll be great. No. If we tell kids they got to work hard, they'll be great and feel good about themselves. The world's philosophy and psychology is always contrary to Scripture. And then he says, not only in discipline, but in instruction. In other words, instruction means calling attention to it. It's a mild rebuke or warning. Discipline is education and training. In other words, tell them what they should do, show them how to do it, and then let them do it while you watch them. And you help them do it. That's what training is, right? Anybody ever been responsible for training somebody? Do you hand them books, they read that and then do it? No. You say, okay, here's what we're doing. You explain it step by step. You show them. You show them again. Then you say, okay, you try it. And you get them to try it. And you watch them. Oh, no, 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 do it this way. And you show them. And then you take hands off and say, okay, try it again. Oh, that's good. And then you try. Oh, you got it. Isn't that how you train? Why don't you do that with your children? We never punished our kids for something we didn't tell them. In other words, if the kids run through the house and he knocks over a pitcher of drink and breaks the vase, we never said, come here, I'm going to beat you, if we had not told them not to run in the house. Never punish a child for, for childish rambunctiousness. I don't know the right word to use, but my mom always told me, quit being so rambunctious. Which meant quit messing around (laughs) because I, you know, I was hyperactive. So, anyway. And so, but if we had told our child something and they did it, that's willful disobedience. And then we didn't beat them. We brought them aside and said, did mom and dad tell you this? And, of course, they said yes because they knew. They didn't try to fool us because we, no, I told you on this date and this And then we say, now, you disobeyed us, so that's going to require, and we had already talked about what the punishment would be. And then we would administer that punishment, which was never severe, but enough that got their attention. And then we drew them to ourselves and hugged them and loved them and made sure they understood that what we had just done was only because we wanted them to correct their behavior. And then we said, now, you stay here alone until you you can get yourself together, feel good about it, and come out and be back with your brothers and sisters. We, won't, we don't want to embarrass you. And we never embarrassed them in public, never did any of that. But they got discipline, you can ask them. That's what instruction, call, it says a mild rebuke or warning. You discipline them, and then you give them a mild rebuke. You don't hurt them, but you do discipline them. I, I saw a mom yelling for her child to stop as he ran into a parking lot. And the child thought it was a game, and as she chased him through the parking lot, he's looking over his shoulder, laughing at her. That's not discipline. That's not instruction. And so, not a bad ending to that story. The child didn't get hit by a car, but it could have. That child grew up to be kind of a rough kid. In fact, my son played baseball with him when they got older. And that kid would run around snatching hats off other teammates' heads. And I don't know why he never messed with my son, but he didn't. But I pulled my son aside. He was eight or nine at the time. I said, son, I don't ever want you to start a fight. Yes, sir. I said, if that kid snatches your hat, chase him down take him out. He said, yes, sir. <laughs> His mom and dad won't discipline him. You discipline him. I'll do it, dad. But he never had to. How do we teach them? What do we train them in? The answer is in Luke 2. Turn with me to Luke 2 just for a second. And we'll be done. In, in Luke 2, I know you're going, he finished on time. Yeah, I did. So that means you owe me lunch. No, I'm kidding. In Luke 2, in the last verse. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. And probably you have. But I want to draw it to your attention. This is after Jesus hung out in the temple when he was 12 his mom's now like why did you do that he said didn't you know I had to be about my father's business y'all know that found him he's teaching the teachers he's teaching the preachers about the word of God and they were amazed at his questions and his answers and so he it says uh by the way in verse 51 he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them did you catch that in verse 51 he was submissive to his parents he had created his parents and he was submissive to them. So don't tell me you can't. And verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. That's the four areas you got to teach your children in. First of all, you got to teach them in wisdom, in godly wisdom. The Bible says that, the, that wisdom is the, the beginning of wisdom is the knowledge of God, the fear of God, right? And so first thing you got to do is you show your kid that you fear God and you obey God and that he ought to fear God and obey God. And by the way, parents, you stand as God in in your children's life. So what they see you do is what they think God is like. Now, if you ever get a hold of that, it'll scare you. The kid's idea of God is what I have shown them. And so some people got a lot to overcome, and I get that. I don't have time to get into into personal stories, but I I know that. And so we have to train them in wisdom and in finding out. When mom and dad don't know what to do, where do they go? Do they turn on Oprah, Dr. Phil? Or do they go to God's Word and see what God says about it? Do they pray about it? Do they involve the children at the level they're able to participate? I don't think you ought to put your burdens on your kids because that's not right. You're the grown-up. You take care of it. But it is okay for your kids to know, you know what, mom and dad are struggling with something and we're praying about Would you pray with us that God would help us understand this? To show your child that you're seeking wisdom from God. Just one, one hint there. And then it says, uh, in stature, what does that mean? Physical fitness. I, 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 somebody remind me, I said this this week uh, before. Somebody this week remind me, I said this before. But Jesus was a carpenter and they didn't have any power tools. That dude was not wimpy. He was pretty strong and tough. And if you let your kids sit there and play video games all afternoon... And you never train them physically to be physical people... to I'll leave that alone. He increased spiritually. Say what? He in- increased with favor with God. Wait a minute. I'm confused. Isn't he God? Yes. Y'all remember that commercial when the guy says to the boss... What are you doing? He said, I'm sticking it to the man. He said, aren't you the man? He went, yes. He said, so you're sticking it to yourself? He went, maybe. (laughs) That's how I read that. Jesus increased in favor with God. How can God increase with favor with God? Because Jesus came and he experienced life as a man. Y'all have this idea that it didn't hurt Mary for him to be born. That she didn't, I don't want to get gross, but you know what happens when a baby's born. That she didn't have to heal because he just sort of magically came out and everything was fine. No. He came out spitting, crying, needing food, needing protection, needing shelter. His dad, Joseph, was an unbelievable man to train him. And at 12, he could confuse the teachers of the law. You say, yeah, because he was God. No, because Joseph had taught him so well. Now, did he have a capacity to understand that we don't? Yes. But he did it as a man, not as God. Because if he'd done it as God, you and I'd be hopeless. But he did it as a spirit-filled man. Because John 3 says the spirit was given to him without measure. And if you'll receive the Holy Spirit, you'll understand the things of God. And you'll be able to understand what God's will for your life is. Some of you sitting here don't know God. And so you don't have any hope of that. And the last thing there, he did it socially. He increased socially in favor with men. You've got to do that too. You've got to teach your kids how to obey in a restaurant, or at Walmart, or when company comes over. How do you act around other people? Do you interrupt adults? Do you demand your way? How do you train your children? Love of God, physically, uh, in wisdom, in applying God's word, and socially. I didn't do those in the right order. What what can you do about it? Two quick things. Children, obey your parents. If you're a child in here and you are not 18 or older, you got to obey. We raised our nephew and he was a year behind in school, so he's in the same class as our oldest daughter. He was one year older than our oldest daughter, but they were in the same class cuz he had failed a grade. So that means he was a senior at 19. And he'd say, "I want to go do so and so." We'd say, "Nope." He'd say, "I'm 19." I'd say, and you're still in high school, and you live with us. He went, you got a point. <laughs> you can't live on your own. You ain't grown. Right? I'm not saying parents shouldn't help the kids, but what I'm saying is, parents, you ought to demand obedience from your children in what is right. I don't mean demand obedience that so they sit like little whatever, but, but demand obedience in what is right. I, I'll tell you, I told you, I started going to church nine months before I was born. And it was never, I never said, do we have to go? Because we were going. And that was when it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And we went. And if they decided to open the church clean, and I think we went and watched them do that. I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm just saying, it was pretty. Obedience was not an option. It was a requirement. And then secondly, men, step up for your children. Take your God-given responsibility. Help your children to grow like Jesus grew. Joseph is a great example. Reread Matthew 1 and 2 if you want to learn more about Joseph. I think it's Matthew 1. You read that and start thinking about the principles as God talks to Joseph about becoming the father of Jesus. And see what kind of man Joseph was. We don't know a whole lot about Joseph. We don't actually don't know a whole lot about Mary. But we do know this. That just as much as God chose Mary to bear Jesus and we always focus on her. He chose Joseph to teach Jesus. Because that was the job of the, of the Jewish father. And in Deuteronomy 6, it says, teach your children all these ways. As you walk, as you go, teach them to fear and honor God. And so that's our responsibility. So dads, the most manly thing you can do is love your children's mom and teach them the ways of God. It comes down to that. If you're involved in a hundred other things trying to define manhood, that's manhood. Love your children's mama and teach your children to love God. And everything else take care of itself.